Welcome to another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com. I am John Schmelk. The man to my left is Jeff Fiegels. The Hi. phone number is 201-939-4513. Hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter if you want to get in touch with us that way you can. I will make sure I get to your tweets at some point during the show. We continue our series previewing the Giants opponents this season. Today, we're up to the New York Jets. So, we'll Rich Samini from ESPN uh, covers the Jets. Does a great job. He'll be joining us at 1230. Uh, just some uh, bookkeeping very quickly before we get to some Giants talk. Next week, the Giants offices are closed for the entire week of the 4th of July. So, no shows next week. Mm-hmm. And there's no show tomorrow. So, this will be your last new Big Blue Kickoff Live uh, for about 10 days or so. So make sure you absorb it, enjoy it, get your fix of Fiegels and Schmelk. <laughs> I am also off the week after the 4th of July, so I'm, you're not going to see me for about two weeks. Well, not many people complaining about that one, no. right, Danny? I, I'm thrilled. <laughs> the listeners and viewers are thrilled. My co-hosts are thrilled. <laughs> Everybody wins. It's a wonderful well, thing. You're going to have a great time. Because you. I, I know how much you work. You need that You need that time off before you got a, a, a long, long time coming. Here once the season starts. I got to recharge the batteries a little bit, Jeff. Okay, good. So how's it going? Good. Yeah, just, hey, man. I pulled in. There's nobody here today. You are. I'm here. But Danny's here. Pulled in that parking lot. There is no cars in there. <laughs> I, just, I saw Ronnie Barnes walking down the hallway. I was shocked. <laughs> yeah, what is he doing here? <laughs> There's no one here. I saw a couple guys in the weight room um, coming in. So, you know, some guys here that... Uh, live around here working out but um, and there are guys still coming and doing their rehab sure on injuries exactly mm-hmm. and those were there you go two of the guys that were in there were injured guys that are just still doing some workout stuff so other than that good i'm just kind of you know it's just with this time of the year there's not a lot to talked about a lot of talk about and you really from an organizational standpoint you want these guys that are out of your building to behave themselves and that's a good thing so far absolutely all right folks so here's the deal we're gonna do rich at 12 30 that's gonna cover probably the most of the end of the show then we're gonna play did you play with Jeff okay. Eagles? We'll do that at the end of the okay. show. Uh, so in the meantime, get on the phones. Give us a call at 201-939-4513. We'll try to squeeze in your calls for the next 20 or 25 minutes or so. And I'll take a look at your tweets as well at hashtag Giants Chat. So, Jeff, I was actually just writing up some of the uh, written content that we're going to have uh, on Giants.com over the next couple of weeks. I'm trying to get all ahead out now so I don't have to do it while I'm off. And the last question that was set up by Mr. Salamone was very simple. Who is the X factor on the Giants roster this year? X factor. I think it kind of depends on how you qualify yeah, X what, factor, okay. the way I look at it. And right, this so is, give me an X factor in your mind. What does an X factor mean? Th- this is how I'll define it. It's a player who is either unproven or you're not sure of their performance. Okay. So I wouldn't count Saquon Barkley in that. I wouldn't count Eli Manning in that. Whose performance could make or break the Giants' season. That's okay. how I would define X-Factor. you think that's fair? Fair definition? Um, yeah, it's a fair definition. I think okay. you can, I mean, it's it, it's really a wide-open definition. I mean, X-Factor to somebody else could be completely different. Right. So, I mean, you, you can answer it any way you want. I guess to me, the X-Factor would be which player is going to do something along the whole season. This is a season-long thing where mm-hmm. you look at it at the end of the day and go... You know what? I kind of had an idea, or I didn't have an idea, that this guy was going to be as good as he was. Period. That would be my X factor. That something. Now, is it going to be offensive or a defensive player? Um, I, I'm hoping that the X factor is going to be a defensive player because I feel that's where it needs to come from. How about you? Yes. However, when I wrote my article 
And this is kind of what why I went down the path that I did. Okay, you I went down that young I felt like guy. there were so many different people there could be on defense that could potentially be an X factor that I found it difficult to choose just one. Yeah. So I decided to look at the offense that and say, okay. well, there's one guy in offense that I really think is an important X factor. And I'll start there and then I'll let you do Okay. I'll sure. let you do defense because yeah. I do think there's a lot of different choices on defense that all make a lot of sense. Do you want me to try to guess who your X factor is before? Yeah. And, and I and I, I think you'll get it. Um, well, obviously it's a young player. It's someone on offense. It's um it's someone along that uh, offensive line? Nope. No, it's a receiver. Nope. Wow. Not a wide receiver. That's a tight end then. Okay. It's not Scott Simonson. Hmm. All right. Then I know who it is. I think you can figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> I went with Evan Ingram, and this is something that I'll post in a couple weeks on Giants.com. Okay. And here's why I went with Evan Ingram, and, and this was my reasoning. I would say he's been uneven in his performance over his first couple years. He had some injury issues. He had some drop issues as a rookie. He cleaned those up. Yep. But last year, for example, in his final four games, he had 22 catches. He had 23 catches in his first seven. So it was an uneven performance. I don't think he's been as consistently productive as he would like. Mm -hmm. And I think for a couple of reasons now heading into this year, it's really important for him to solidify himself as that extremely reliable, productive, mismatch player. Without Odo Beckham here, someone that, other teams have to game plan for. Now, the Giants do have Sterling Shepard and Golden Tate. They can win one-on-one, -on -one, but I don't think teams are, are game planning for those guys necessarily, right? The Giants have Saquon Barkley. You have to game plan for him both in the run game and no the pass question. game. He's a mismatch player. Well, then who has the potential to be another mismatch player for the Giants? And I think it's Evan Ingram. Mm -hmm. The guy runs a 4-4 tight end. Tight ends can't cover him. A lot of safeties are going to have trouble covering him. We saw how productive he could be and what a weapon he could be when he was on the field without Beckham the final four games of last year. When he was on the field. When he was on the field and Beckham wasn't. Mm -hmm. So if he can become that, you know, tight end, that, you know, F guy that can line up off the line of scrimmage and, you know, run routes and create mismatches and teams have to worry about him like a Travis Kelsey or a Zach Ertz. That, I think, can bring the Giants' offense from, all right, maybe they'll rank 11th or 12th to okay. ranking 6th or 7th. And I think that's why I consider him the X Factor. I think his performance, I don't know what happened over there, by the way. That mm. looks like Tino was messing around, which is never a good thing. Looks like a but, pile Yeah, I know. I don't, I don't know what happened. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think Ingram can make a big difference. And I Sure. And I all it. the players on offense, I think he's the one that stands out. While on defense, there are so many guys that I couldn't choose between. Yeah. I went with my obvious guy in offense. Well, I think that I, I think you make a, all good points. The only way he becomes that X factor on offense is if he stays healthy. He has that's it's probably the biggest thing. I think, you know, as a receiver or a tight end catching receiver, I think he has you can work on the hands part of it. He and he did well with that. He was better last so year. So those are mm -hmm. things you can work on at practice and you develop fundamentals and skills to health is one thing you have to, you can work on also but some guys just are just get hurt all the time so i want to see evan ingram stay healthy on the field i'm not asking him to play all 16 games it's a tough that's a tough thing to do i mean he played 15 as a rookie okay but you know he's a rookie i mean he wasn't starting as a rookie and he oh, that's fair so i i just want to see him can i get 14 games out i want to get double digit game oh. high double digit game 12 13 if he misses more than four that's really bad okay 
Remember, right. he played 11 last year, and didn't you feel like he was injured too much? But here's the thing. I have a feeling, and I like your X factor, I have a feeling that he's going to be very involved in this offense, which means more plays, catching the ball, getting hit, things like running. That's a good so, point. So I think you kind of get, you know, if I can just get him to, to get in and stay healthy, I can just stay healthy. My, my X factor after thinking about it as you were speaking, I was listening to you, by the way, but I was also thinking about I my guy. I appreciate that. Thank you. I want to go with Lorenzo Carter. A guy that I feel like, I feel like he's ahead of the curve in his maturation for being a young player. I think last year, coming out of that Southeast Conference from Georgia, he was ready to play as a rookie, um, and he started to show me a lot of things that you don't see at at that type of a young player right away. Now, a second year in James Betcher's defense is going to help. <coughs> excuse me, You're and, excused. I, and I feel like he's got the experience by playing a lot last year. And I think that James Betcher is going to trust him a little bit more. And by putting him in positions to win some matchups. Um, Do you think he can be a double digit sack guy? I think he's on, on the fringe of that. I think that's asking a lot of him. Do you in think his second he, year? do you think he has a good chance of leading the giants in sacks this year? What if I go that? Yes, direction? I do. I do. I'm going to put it at nine. Okay. Maybe nine and a half. And if he gets to the 10, um, I wanted to go with Dexter Lawrence, but he's too—he's uh, too much of a new guy to. I don't think that he's going to be that X factor because we just—we're still learning about him, anyways. And he's an interior defensive lineman, sure, you know. Sure, but I—I I, I feel like if if Lorenzo Carter does become the X factor, and and Evan Ingram becomes the X factor on offense. Those are two young guys that can really help this football team win. Yeah, I'm with you. And on defense, the other guys I was thinking of is Marcus Golden for okay. the same reasons you gave for Lorenzo Carter. Okay, sure. You know, just he's coming off an ACL. If he can recapture his past glory, same reasoning though. Right. That's a guy. Yep. I think Jabril Peppers is somebody you can make the argument of coming like in it. and replacing a productive player in Landon Collins. Can he cover tight ends one on one consistently? Yeah. If he can, that's a really big deal for this defense. If he can't. Well, that's going to be a little bit of a problem. Well, then. I think that Jabril Peppers can cover better than Landon Collins, and I certainly know he can catch better than Landon Collins. So right then and there, I think you've got you've got the answer to your question. I think he will be very good. But I do think safeties in, have less of an impact uh, than pass rushers and also than cornerbacks, which is the other last guy I was going to consider. And you could pick any one of the young cornerbacks, whoever you think is going to play the most, but I believe that it's going to be DeAndre Baker. That's going to start at one of the cornerback spots, which means he's probably going to play nearly every single defensive snap this year if he's healthy. Mm -hmm. And if he plays really well, that's going to help the Giants if their pass rush doesn't wake up. And that could be really important too. So that was the other guy in defense I kind of yeah. considered. And I didn't want to choose. That's why I picked Ingram. Yeah, a lot of... A lot of a lot of X's on the on the defensive side for you to go for. Well, and, well, and that's why I think heading into the season, the defense is such a question mark still. Yeah. Would, let me ask you a question. Sure. The Giants got you know some new coaches this year um, sprinkled in there and this and that, and mm -hmm. even with the existing coach, give me an X factor you think in the in the coaching area that might surprise you this year. And, and, oh boy! And, and by and, and what I mean by that is just from the production of their group, wide right receiver group, the defensive line group, um, and it. Don't have to. Do you know what I'm saying? That's I your do. Question. I think. Or, well, should, or should I say this? Give me a position group that you feel is going to wow, wow us this year. Like, okay, we didn't expect this, but man, okay. Well, how about the one that I think is going to be? I think the the two on defense that are most important are, are being coached by two new coaches. You have Everett Withers, the the defensive backs coach, who's mm -hmm. a former head coach in college. He's going back to coach the position 
which he did, I believe, in the NFL for the last time with the Titans in the early 2000s before he went to the college ranks, started being a head coach. And then you have um, Mike Lawson, Mike Dawson, who is the outside linebacker slash pass rusher coach. And those are two guys that are going to have to coach up relatively young groups that are relatively inexperienced, depending on what players you're talking about. And I think those guys are, are going to go a long way towards determining how good this Giants defense is going to be. And I think offensively, I know he's back and he's not his first year, but Hal Hunter's important too. Look, offensive linemen can be good individually. If they're not coached well together to play as a unit and play cohesively, it's not going to help you. And a lot of that's on the offensive line coach. Where I like the way the unit grew in the second half of last season. Mm-hmm. Let's see how he brings this more veteran group together and sees if he can get them to play consistent football together this year. Yeah, and I think that that veteran group of offensive linemen and a veteran coach is one area that you're going to see a much improved when you you know you've got uh, all the new guys there, the veterans, and I love the veteran presence at that O line. I really do. That's going to help the young guys, and it's also going to help Eli. I'm going to throw one other name out there, and it has nothing to do with this year. Okay. Mike Shula slash Ryan Roder. And a lot of people don't know Ryan Roder and what his job is here. He's the offensive assistant. He does a lot of the you know quality control stuff. Mm-hmm. But he's also in the room with the quarterback slot. He's a former corner quarterback, played for Albany back in mid-2000s. And he works with the quarterbacks a lot. Obviously, Mike Shula does too. He's the offensive coordinator. Also yeah. takes on some of the quarterback's coach duties too. And those two guys and how they work and help Daniel Jones come along even while he's not playing in regular season games is going to be extremely important for the future of the franchise. So I think that's going to be one of the things that we can't see. We don't know how well they're doing and how well he's doing because he's not going to be out there on the field. But how those guys groom him and get him ready to play, Mm -hmm. that's also going to be very important for the long-term future of the franchise. And I'll tell you what's very, very important for the long-term is Daniel Jones himself. No, of course. To be able to learn and and take everything that you have. Nobody knows the future. Nobody knows that number 10 will be here next year, the following year, or what have you. You right now are a sponge that that you came out of aisle six at Stop and Shop. A big sponge. (laughs) Take it all in. Soak it up. Okay, and at the end of the year, ring it into that water bottle and drink the stuff, and you're good to go. Well, I'm happy you picked Stop and Shop. They're our sponsor, after all. Exactly. Good job, Fee. Exactly Fakes. where Same I notes. went there. 201 Hashtag Giants Chat. We appreciate you being with us. Let's get to our first phone call. Scott in New Mexico. He'll lead us off. Hey, Scott. Hi, Scott. Hi, guys. How are you doing today? Doing great. Uh, John, if it's any consolation, I'll miss your commentary over the next two weeks. Of course you will, Scott. I I appreciate that, Scott. Thank you very much. (laughs) He's not going to hang up on you if you say something bad about you. You have all the time you want, Scott. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, I uh, I wanted to give you my X-Factor player. Sure. And somebody already on the roster. Uh, Corey Coleman is the guy I think that could make a difference this year for two reasons. The first being his ability to obviously return kicks. I think in only eight games he had 600 yards, which is about 20 six yards uh, return and if he turns out to be a deep threat I think that might be the answer I think to how powerful the offensive receivers might be because he can stretch the field so I was thinking he might be somebody who would be a difference maker this year I think that's possible I think whoever emerges as that third wide receiver they're going to want him to be somebody that they can trust to stretch the field consistently. And if they can find someone in that spot to do that and make an occasional big play, I think that'll be very helpful. Okay. Uh, My main question, and then I'll take it off the air. Uh, 
uh, nobody knows how this season's going to go. And we obviously have a lot of rookies on, on the squad. If the Giants, and I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer at all, but if the Giants sort of repeat last season or even improve maybe by two games, say they're seven and nine, mm-hmm. how, how will upper management look at this? Because they sort of had a built-in excuse. They've turned the roster over, et cetera, et cetera. But how will John Mara and, and Steve Kish actually look at the team then and say, are we making progress or are we where we were before? So I was just Good. curious what right. your interpretation might be if the Giants don't have a great season. And have a very nice holiday, guys. Thanks, Scott. You too. Jeff, why don't you tackle that one okay. first? Okay, I think it's, I think it's simple. Uh, if you're 7-9, and nine, how did you get to 7-9? and nine? You took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> right? Yeah, you're right. I mean, if it was the guys played every single day and they were just giving it their all and we're building the team and, I mean, there's no there, – there's fighting this team and there's no quitting and that's – okay. The other one is if if all of a sudden, you know, it's it's just how you get there is, is going to be how they're going to – how you're going to be evaluated. If you're heading into December and you're maybe a game over 500 and you're in it and you're in the mix and you played well – Okay. And then some injuries hit, maybe you yep. lose some close games. Mm-hmm. You know that's that's okay. If you start zero and five and you're getting blown out and hammered, and you win a bunch of games in the second half of the year when you stink, and you're already out of the mix, then that's not, not going to be looked too favorably upon. But I will say this, and I know fans have called up with this question before. I think Gettleman and Shermer have a fairly long leash here. I don't think anyone's making any drastic decisions based off what happens this yeah. season. It's yeah. only their second year of building this thing together. The Giants want to be patient. They want to give these guys a chance to build what they want to build. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, you never say never because it's the NFL and anything can happen. But I believe that they have a lot of confidence in those two guys and the way they're building things, and they're going to give them an opportunity to see it through. And frankly, I think they'll eventually have to give until you, you know, eventually when you judge Dave Gettleman. I mean, it's all going to be about whether or not Daniel Jones is the next guy, right? Mm-hmm. So until we know that. Same with Pat Sherman to a certain extent. I'm sure he had a hand in, you know, deciding Daniel Jones was the next guy too. And they're married to him now. It's just kind of the the way it is. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And I, I think that, you know, this team, the way they go down, just swinging, fighting, you know. Listen, if at the end of the day they have a losing record and they've won three or four more games than they did last year, you're building on that. That's something you can build on. Mm-hmm. I think that um, this season is probably one of the seasons – that you look at and say we haven't the Giants have not had something like this in a long time. Obviously, with the with the Eli situation, how this is going to play out, what is the strategy behind, you know, what is going on in the back room with these guys? Asked, you know, when when Eli Manning was, what was he told? You know, how's it going to go down? I mean, people keep asking me all the time, when are we going to see Daniel Jones? When are you going to see Daniel Jones? I don't have the answer, right? But I think that. If you wanted to create an answer, it would have to be, well, number one, Eli gets hurt, okay, which is very rare. Number two is that if if the Giants are winning a huge game, you really want to see Daniel Jones and, and get some reps, right? I mean, that's when you're going to see Daniel Jones. I guess the question to me would be, when are we going to see Daniel Jones on a consistent basis? Well, that would mean that the, the, that the Giants season is down the tubes, and here comes the new guy. That's that's the only way I see it happening. Or if Eli Manning is throwing at a at a very high rate interceptions every week and this and that, and his play is just not there. They're going to make the switch. I I 
Don't you think? I mean, you have to. Hey, look, we talked about this. There, Eli Manning keeps himself on the field in two ways. He plays well, and, and the win. team wins games. That's it. If one of those two things don't happen, you're eventually going to see Daniel Jones. When? I have no idea. How frequently? I got no idea. But if you're losing a lot or Eli's playing really poorly, two things I think we both don't think or hope are going to happen, that's when you're going to see Daniel Jones, and it's just hard to predict it. Heck, you might see Daniel Jones in week two if it, if the Giants are winning by 30 in the second in the fourth quarter. You will. Yeah, so, why I mean, not? Or if they're losing by 30. It could go either way. That's why I, 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 got, I, I got asked that question, too. I was on um, with one of these guys in Washington, D.C. He was doing kind of like whip, whip around the NFC East, and that's the question he asked me. And I gave the same answer. I go, I don't know. I mean, it depends on circumstance. circumstance. It's just the way it is. Yeah, it's, it's, it's complete circumstance is what it is. A- absolutely. You know, that game, the first game of the season is going to be a big game, the Cowboy game. Sets the stage, man. And those, and will, those games have not gone so well the last few No, last few You know years. what? Uh, Giants used to win a lot down there. Haven't done so in a long time. Um, be a nice way to, to start off the season. And I know Eli would love to win that game. Because, you know, if he doesn't win that game, it's just going gonna, gonna to consistently come up, guys. We're going to be talking about every time the game is lost, whether Eli won it or lost it or the defense won it or lost If they lose the games, it's, it's going to rear its ugly head. When is Daniel Jones coming in the game? And we are going to get sick and tired of hearing it. But it's going to happen because, listen. Just the way it is. <laughs> it's just the pick. It's the sixth pick in the NFL draft. You took this guy. Um, we want to see him and, um, listen, nobody wants, at least I don't Eli Manning out of this lineup because I still think he can play. And I think he's out for a I think he's coming back with a vengeance this year. I really do. I think Eli wants to prove everyone wrong and that's a good thing. That's a good thing. So. 201-939-4513. I see you doing some homework 201-939-4513. You aren't cheating, are you? No, but I'm, I'm glancing over and seeing names go by oh no you're not cheating are you no i did not see i'm not looking at them all right good i'm just i see them going through see you're better than that see john john loves this game that we play at the end of the program i got five things ready for you we're gonna go five today let's go rapid fire marco in connecticut is up next hey marco marco how are you hey guys how are you doing well marco what's up um i have a special teams question i love it uh, we'll spend the next hour on it um (laughs) I, I, listen, you, you got uh, the last call I brought up, Daniel Jones. I find it a little bit easier, no offense to anybody, to talk to you both about Eli and Daniel Jones than maybe say when Paul's on. Paul, things get, I don't know, a little little heightened. Um, Paul, Paul, really? Paul, Paul gets a little emotional sometimes. Well, yeah, yeah, and, 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 I, and I, 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 exactly <laughs> what Jeff said. I, I want Eli. I hope he comes out and it's a great year. But I had a quick question as you guys were talking. Do you remember in the year when um, when Eli was drafted? I know there was a winning record that the team had when they made the switch from Warner to Eli, but five, five and four. four, right? We were yeah, five and yeah, four. But was Kurt Warner? How was his performance? Was he playing well or not playing great? He was all right. Yeah, he was no, all he right. Wasn't, he wasn't like I mean, he wasn't you know a, a, he wasn't an All Pro player that day. I mean, or he wasn't playing great. I can give you his stats. Hold on. Um, I was on that team. Oh, yeah, so you yeah. answer the question, Jeff. You don't worry, don't worry about I, me. I don't think he was playing, again, and this is why we play this stupid game at the end of the program. <laughs> I don't have a great memory. <laughs> so, Jeff, 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 did you play with Kurt Warner? <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah, I think I that. did. All right. Wait, wait, All right. hold on. Oh, yeah, what team? 
<laughs> All right, so that no. year, so that year at five and four, Kurt Warner had a sixty-two percent completion percentage for two thousand yards and six touchdowns with four interceptions. So only six touchdowns in nine games started. That's not great. That's not great. That's no, not great. Not okay. great. Only an eighty-six uh, and a half quarterback rating. Okay, there you go. All right. Um, my so and then uh, before the special teams question, Ron, the name Ryan Roder, you brought you brought it up before, John. I I was listening to the uh, Giants huddle with Daniel Jones, mm-hmm. and when I when I heard his name brought up, I remember Tom Coughlin used to bring up his name once in a while, and um, so I was I was just interested because his name has been brought up, but he's kind of like a. Uh, a little bit of a mystery. I, I don't care about him as much as I hear about the other coaches, but to hear that he's an asset in the quarterback's room was, was pretty interesting. Sure. I mean, those guys, they, um, they, they spend so much time. I mean, well, yeah. quality control, offensive quality control guys, it's all about obviously the offense and plays and doing things like that. So, and they by are, the way, I feel like I should give credit to the guy in defense, too. Bobby Blick, who does that work on the defensive side of the ball, does a real nice job for they, them. And too. They, they work oh. a lot. And mm-hmm. so they're, and, but they have a position group that they, you know, adhere to and and Ryan was a quarterback, so it's definitely mm-hmm. those guys, and it is good to see him in there. And you know, what? those guys, um, you look at uh, those guys move on; they get jobs in the NFL. Um, for instance, Sean um, Payton. Sean, well, um, no, the, the guy. Uh, oh, Sean Ryan. Sean Ryan. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Sean, but exactly. These guys all start off somewhere. I mean, Sean Ryan's been is the quasi offensive coordinator for Houston, though. I don't think Bill O'Brien's given him the title yet. I'm sure Sean's thrilled about that. I'm yeah. sure he's letting somebody know about that somewhere. No question. But he will. These guys eventually get into be at a position coach, and then eventually try to go and get a coordinator job. Um. All right. Cool. I um. Here's my question about special teams. Uh, last year, Rosas had like, just an awesome year. Um, do you do you think that that could be expected from fans, or was that like just a, a really like an awesome like breakout year, and maybe that's like a really hard uh, barometer to reach? Good question. Or like, what, what what can we expect from him? And then also, what do you think uh, we could expect from Dixon? Like, where did he need to improve in the off season that maybe that's something new that he can incorporate this year? Thank okay. you, Marco. Appreciate the yeah. call. Thanks, um, thanks all. I know we got to go in a second. No, so, no, no. Answer um, the question. But I will Dan's tell you. Dan's going to call Rich now. You have a minute. Go ahead. Roses, that's the way he. I, I feel he could play every year. I, the strongest leg I've ever seen a kicker. He just had to learn how to use it. You know what I'm saying? And he did last year. So I think I think he will be consistently getting just that. Maybe not Pro Bowl every year. It's tough. There's only one Pro Bowl punter or kicker in the NFC. So, um, But he'll be consistently the way that you saw him. Um, Riley? As far as just consistency, he needs to, you know, he had some games where, you know, you got to, you got to have a six punch. You got to have five of them be good, you know, not three or four um, and bomb them. But he's, he's and inside the twenties. I like both those guys. They're, they're going to be around here a long time. I know Riley Dixon, this is his last year under his contract. So hopefully the giants want to do something there, but I think together those guys should be in uniform for a while. The funny thing watching Rosas in practice when he has Dixon and Diasi, they all go in. But when they have the second unit snapper and holder in, Makes all a of a sudden, he's like 50-50. Makes and it difference. just shows you how important the mechanics are. I kind of watched that no specifically question. this yeah. spring, and it makes a big difference. I was talking to him a few weeks ago, and I'd asked him how it's going. And he said the exact same thing. He goes, well, when, when Riley and, and, uh, and Zach are in there, it's pretty good. 
<laughs> and he's there when the other guys just not so good. I go, well, then don't kick with the other guys. That's easy. Well, there's only one field goal kicker in camp. That's what makes it tough. All right, now let's get to our guest. It's all presented by Coors Light. And he is Rich Samini, who covers the Jets for ESPN. Has covered the Jets for as long as I can remember. Rich, you got John Schmelk and Jeff Fiegel's here. Hi, Rich. And he's Rutherford. How are you, buddy? Gentlemen, how are you guys doing today? Thanks for having me. I, you're welcome. I hope you're enjoying your time away from football before everything ramps up in about a month. And... Hopefully the Jets don't make any other front office moves in the next couple of weeks to give you a bit of a break. How have things kind of... You never know. Yeah, you, you, don't, you, you never know. No, you don't. How have things kind of settled in there um, with, you know, letting go of McCagney, bringing in Joe Douglas, and now I guess Joe's building his staff kind of as we speak. He's already brought in a couple of guys. Yeah, I mean, it's been a... To say it's an offseason of upheaval for the Jets would be an understatement, but... Uh, yeah, so that came out of the blue three weeks after the draft. They fired the GM, and uh, I know I'll be going on vacation in two days, but I don't think Joe Douglas will be because uh, he's got a lot of catching up to do. He already said he's cut down. You know, he's planning to stay at the facility and, and just catch up and, you know, watch a lot of tape and familiarize himself with the staff and the coaching staff. So we know one person who will be over there working a lot of hours in the next few weeks. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a strange move. I was very critical of the move just because of the timing of letting Mike McCagnin go then. Sure. Definitely. But, yeah, I think they ended up with a good guy, though. I mean, I've, I've heard nothing but good things from Joe <laughs> Douglas. And uh, he's on the same page as Adam Gase, which to me is the most important thing. Yeah, definitely. You know, and, and he's very well respected, Joe Douglas, in the, in the National Football League. You know, you talk to a lot of people about him and they're they're very impressed with him and and i think he'll do a good job i'm wondering about the one coach <laughs> that came in here with greg williams um <laughs> he he is i i feel like he's a guy that definitely is going to be able to turn that defense around because for some reason and somehow he gets his players to play for him now i believe he's just he's a wackadoo okay <laughs> but i i yeah, feel like is. that is going to really help that defense uh especially you know, with a lot of the veteran free agents that they went out and got and put him behind a very veteran coach, what do you think about that defense and Greg Williams particularly? Yeah, well, I think that's a good point, Jeff. I think he's going to just give him a kick in the rear end. Mm -hmm. You know, and even Greg said it himself when we spoke to him a few weeks ago. He said, the reason I get keep getting hired by teams is, is the culture. You know, I changed the culture. And I thought that was a good way of expressing it because mm -hmm. he brings in yeah. a highly intense, in-your-face coaching style that's not for the faint of heart, you know. So right. if you have thin skin, it's, you're probably not going to get along too well with Greg Williams. He, he coaches hard. There's a lot of tough love. Uh, he's super aggressive. He holds the players accountable. And I think – the Jets defense, which I thought has underachieved the last couple of years, I think they'll they'll switch into the overachieving category. He'll get them going. Uh, I don't think he'll be the long-term answer for him because that's that stuff sort of wears off after a year or two. No but question. I think for right now, for what they need, I think his attitude will help them a lot. Last one on the front office, Rich, before we get to the players in the field, which is really the most important thing. It seems like a very Machiavellian type of situation over there right now. And, you know, different teams have different structures. You know, Andy Reid's not the general manager, but he's the most powerful person in the Chiefs organization, right? Is that kind of how you look at it with the Jets now? While Gase is the head coach, that he's kind of the, 
the decision-making hammer at this point because Joe Douglas was kind of his guy. You have a strong old guy in Greg Williams. The ownership situation could even shift in the next couple of years. Just how do you view yeah. that the power structure? Is it stable or or is there some instability there you still think? That's a great question. I, I think yes and no. Uh, you're right. You know, Woody Johnson could return from England, uh, his ambassadorship in the next year or two. So then you have a, a different ownership. Uh, Christopher will stay involved. His younger brother, who's been running things the last couple of years, he will be heavily involved when Woody comes back. We just don't know uh, in what capacity. Uh, yes, I think Adam Gase, I don't think he has Andy Reid-like power certainly doesn't have Bill Belichick-type power, but I think the perception, at least I think, is is accurate. He's, he's running things. I mean, he essentially won a power struggle with Mike McCagnin, and then he essentially got his guy, Joe Douglas, hired to, to be the general manager. So, yeah, I think Adam Gase wields a lot of power, more power than most head coaches. I don't like the way the power structure is set up uh, I like the traditional way. I think the Giants are more traditional in that the GM, the coach reports to the GM who reports to the owner, and the Jets don't have it that way. They have you know, both the coach and GM reporting directly to the owner, so they're essentially equal under the ownership. And, and I don't like that, especially when you have an inexperienced owner like Christopher Johnson. Mm -hmm. So you have two people who are reporting to him. One guy could be saying one thing in one ear. Another guy could be saying another thing in another ear. And then you get into messy situations like what happened to them this offseason with the whole GM change. So, yeah, it, it's a little muddled for sure. It's just going to be up to the people involved, the individuals, to make it work. Well, you, you say inexperience. I mean, you really – Adam Gase doesn't have a whole lot of coaching experience from the head coaching. I mean, not like you know a Bill Belichick or somebody. But then you look at Joe Douglas. He's never been a general manager before. And Christopher has never been an owner before. So you look at all three of those guys – Going into the office yeah. together, that's a little bit scary. Um, to get off of the front office, as Johnny was saying, um, I, I have a – Quentin Williams, we, we, we saw him in the draft. We analyzed him in the draft. We figured out which team he was going to probably go to. He went to the team we thought he was going to go to. What have you seen out of him, and is he as impressive as everybody says he is? I'll be perfectly honest. I, I I don't know. I mean, he didn't do anything really in the spring. He pulled his calf muscle on the first day of OTAs practices Perfect. and uh, was extremely <laughs> limited. He finally did a little bit toward the end in mini camp and, and at the last week of OTAs, uh, working with the uh, <clears throat> really mostly the backup group, the number right. two group. He looked great when he was working against the threes, <laughs> which you would expect. Yeah, but you hope. Um, yeah. Really, really looking forward to seeing him in training camp when he okay. gets a chance to work with the ones. You know, he's, he's, a, he's not your typical Alabama defensive tackle in that he's not uh, like a 320-pound nose guard. He's, he's about 295, maybe 300. And he's a little undersized that way because he'll be playing nose, but he's, he's got an exceptional first step. At least that's what he showed at Alabama. And the Jets really think he can be a three-down player for them. It's just a matter of just getting him out there and getting the experience. The Jets, Rich, have kind of gone about building this defense. I'm not going to say backwards, but it's different than I think what traditionally is done in the NFL, where you have your high-value positions being 
the outside pass rushers, right? And then you have the cornerbacks who generally get the most money. But the Jets have focused a lot of their resources on some really, really good players like Leonard Williams, Quinnen Williams, C.J. Mosley, uh, used two high draft picks on Jamal Adams and Marcus May. But these are guys that, you know, play in the middle of the field, but they're good players. Do the Jets think that they can get a lot out of this defense, kind of building it in the less than traditional way? I think the Jets might think it's like uh, it's baseball. You know, the old baseball axiom that you got to be strong up the middle, you know, pitcher, shortstop, second base, and center field, catcher. Uh, but it's not baseball. And so I think they have a flawed roster, especially on defense, because you're right, John. I mean, they added really good players. I mean, C.J. Mosley's a really good Great linebacker. He's made four Pro Bowls, and he's going to be the quarterback of their defense, and he will help them. And Jamal Adams is, is arguably one of the two or three best safeties in the league. But they are lacking at cornerback, which is a pretty important position <laughs> when you have a defensive coordinator who is blitzing a lot like Greg Williams and you're relying on your corners to play man-to-man. So they are hurting at those posi- at that position, and they're also hurting on the edge you know, in terms of linebackers in their 3-4 defense. And, you know, that's a pretty important position when you're playing a 3-4. So it's a flawed defense. I think it'd be really good against power running teams, you know, north-south running teams. But really, how many of those are left? You know, they're just – the league is spread out now. People are spreading you out with four receivers, even five sometimes, and throwing the ball. And I think the Jets are going to struggle against those teams. In terms of real quick, Rich, real quick on on Leonard Williams before Jets get uh, Jets sure. takes it over the offensive side of the ball. He's someone that hasn't put up staggering stats or numbers, right? But the Jets are going to have to decide pretty soon now whether or not they're going to pay him and how much they're going to pay him. How do you think they're going to approach that decision with with Leonard Williams? Yeah, that'll be probably Joe Douglas's first <clears throat> really big decision, first thing on his uh, to do list. Uh, you know, he's got – and you're, you're, you're totally right about Leonard. I mean, he's a good player. Uh, they drafted him sixth overall in 2015. He's been a good player. Has he been an outstanding player? No. He has not put up those kind of numbers, sack numbers. I think it's only seven over the last two seasons. Hmm. He has a if you're in, If you're into the analytics, you know, his pressure percentage is very high. He gets a lot of quarterback hits. He gets double teamed way more than the average three technique. You know, we know this now because of all the analytics we have. So there's that. Adam Gates has spoken very highly of Leonard Williams. So he's making $14 million this year. Uh, it's the fifth-year option for him. So they have the decision to make. Do you try to extend him now? Do you let him play out the contract? Uh, if he has a really good year, you're going to really pay a premium for him. Or you franchise tag him, so that that's a really tough one. Ordinarily, I think if the older regime were in play still here, I think they'd try to sign him. But now it's a new regime, and I think they want to get to know him a little bit better. Uh, I would say possibly at the end of the preseason, you could see some contract talks starting. That way, they at least get to familiarize themselves because they want to be around Leonard. They want to see his work ethic, his habits, his practice habits before they give out what would be, you know, a massive contract. So it's a really tough decision for them, but from what I hear, they like them a lot. So we're going to go over the offense. What do you think? 
Johnny. Good. Go ahead. <laughs> um, I just want to talk about Sam Donald. You know, he has a new coach, um, Adam Gase, coming in, and also they hired is it is it Dow Lo- Logans? How does that did I say his name right, or did I just yeah, butcher Dow, Lo- Dow Loggins. Yep. Loggins. Okay. Talk to me a little bit about those two guys and how their relationship is. Um, you know where it's at, and what are you thinking of Sam in his second year? It's really Adam Gase. I mean, Adam is the uh, okay. de facto offensive coordinator, and he'll be working very closely with Sam. It's it's one of the main reasons they hired Adam. They wanted a quarterback guru, and you could debate whether Gase falls into the guru category. <laughs> you know, he did coach Peyton Manning when Peyton set the record, you know, for most touchdowns in a season with Denver. Some people would say, you know, Schmelk could coach Peyton Manning and, you know, throw a lot of touchdowns. You know, there might be some truth to that, but I will give Adam some credit, you know, in that, you know, he brought Peyton to a historic level. And uh, so I give him credit for that. But he really hasn't developed a young quarterback uh, like Sam. So that's kind of uncharted waters for Adam. I do think he will help Sam. Last year, the Jets were a mess. When you have a defensive minded coach, you know, he just sees the game differently than an offensive guy. And so I think having an offensive guy will help the quarterback position. Uh, and I think having a, a better cast around him, you know, Le'Veon Bell will help. Javis Crowder will help. The offensive line is, is a little shaky, so I'm not sure where that goes. But Gase will make Sam Darnold better. That's, that's his mission here. And I think he will uh, accomplish that. You know, Rich, do you think they did enough this offseason to, to set Darnold up to succeed? And you mentioned it, and this is where I want to go. The offensive line to me, I mean, mm-hmm. Kelvin Beecham and, and Brandon Shell, I'm, I'm not inspired with confidence there. Yeah, Robbie Anderson, I know, had a nice year last year. Crowder's a good slot guy. A running back will help. But does he have the protection and the outside weapons he needs to take that next big step as a quarterback? Because I love Darnold coming out. He was my favorite quarterback uh, a year ago. I think he's got a lot of talent. Do you think they've built around him the way they needed to to maximize his success level? Not yet, no. I mean, it it was a good start. I mean, getting Le'Veon will help, uh, especially as a receiver coming out of the backfield. Sam. Sam's uh, percentage last year throwing to running backs was, I think, the lowest in the league or maybe second lowest. So I think having a Le'Veon Bell will add some points to his completion percentage, and and that'll keep the chains moving. But you're right, the offensive line, it's the center position that really is the concern there. Uh, You know, they, they they brought back Jonathan Harrison, who essentially took over the job late last year because Spencer Long struggled so Harrison came in, and, uh, you know, they had some moments at the end of the year. So I, I think the Jets are hoping those moments can translate into uh, a full season of moments. And I, I'm really skeptical of that. Jonathan Harrison has never really been a full-time starter in his career before. So they tried. They flirted with a couple of centers in free agency, didn't get any of them. They're relying on Harrison. They have no depth behind him. The offensive line has no depth anywhere on the offensive line. And uh, so that, that's a big, big concern. Sure. And you mentioned, you know, Robbie Anderson's a good player. Anunwa, Crowder, they have good receivers. Herndon, a promising tight end. But the depth, there's a huge drop-off after the first three receivers. So they, if they have an injury to one of those guys, which is bound to happen, right? I mean, it's football. Sure, yeah. And they're going to be hurting there. So... 
it's it's very it's questionable. Let's say the supporting cast is questionable. How did Darnold look in the spring, and what's the word on how he's adjusting to the new offense? You know, I mean, the spring, it's hard to say. You know, as, as media members, we're only allowed to watch. I think we watched, what, eight or nine practices out of all of them. And I saw a couple of days where he looked outstanding. I was like, wow, I mean, he's really picked up this offense. And, you know, and then in the actual mini camp, he was up and down where it looked like Greg uh, Greg uh, Williams's defense was really getting the best of him. He got frustrated a couple of times, so it's a really tough defense to prepare for because he's he, you know Greg is blitzing people from all different directions, and it's you know let's face it, Sam is a young quarterback, second year, and he's learning a new offense. So there's going to be some growing pains, and uh, so I'd say it was an uneven spring for Sam, but I, I'm not at all alarmed by that because you would expect that uh, I would I would expect you know things to be, he's going to have growing pains I mean he's a second year quarterback he only started 13 games he didn't play a whole lot in college so there's going to be continued growing pains I love his potential it's just going to take a little while to get there do you think that Le'Veon Bell will be as a bit you know the big distraction as he usually is um, I mean when you talk about this offensive line and you've got Le'Veon Bell in the backfield. That I mean, you got a great runner, but if you don't have anybody to block for him, that's not going to be that great of a runner. And the amount of money they gave him to come in and play, talk a little bit about him and what you know. What, what you've, have you got to know him a little bit? Is he still crazy as people say he is, or <laughs> you know, we just love to. I mean, uh, I love talking to people that are on the other teams about some of these guys because you know what, you actually have met him, you've seen him, you know him. Tell us about him, Rich. Come on. Well, I never really met him actually because he only showed up for two days so uh you know he skipped, he skipped the entire off-season program that's hilarious and, and then you know he did show up at the mini camp and he did a group media session and he was great i mean he was very personable engaging he seems really fired up about this opportunity with the jets uh i spoke to todd haley his uh, old offensive coordinator in Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. you know, he covered, he was there for Le'Veon's entire career there in Pittsburgh, and he loves Le'Veon. He said once he gets into training camp, he's always the, you know, the hardest worker, and he'll come in in good shape. Uh, nothing but good th- things to say. A, a good team player. Uh, so I, I think the rap he got, a lot of it is because of the contract situation last okay. year. A lot, of, a lot of people painted him as unselfish. I think once he gets into camp, obviously he's he's not he likes his contract situation now. The Jets gave him yeah. a big deal, so I think he'll be focused on that. And uh, you know he'll have some rust to chip off because he skipped all of last year mm-hmm. with his contract thing. And I don't know how it's you know he's going to have to build chemistry with this offensive line. I mean in Pittsburgh he had a really good offensive line. He has a unique running style. You guys know patience. He's he's very patient. He's very methodical. You know, it kind of goes against the football grain a little bit because he'll wait in the backfield for something to open. So the blocking has to adjust to that. He has to adjust to this offensive line. So I, I don't think he's going to come out of the gate strong for the Jets this year. It's going to take a little while for them to build up that chemistry. Rich, final two. I got to ask you a real quick one. I know you're going to kind of roll your eyes like, why the hell is John asking me this? But Giant fans probably care. Davis Webb, have you heard anything about him from the coaching staff, seen him in practice? I know some Giant fans were, were surprised wow. when, when, when he was let go last year. Yeah. And I'm curious to see what, what your impression of Davis Webb has been if you've had much exposure to him. Yeah, well, I mean that's not that's that's a good question because 
I mean, I know I was surprised when the Giants let him go. I think the Jets were surprised, and they picked him up right away and put him on their practice squad. I think what I've seen is what you guys have probably seen. I mean, he's got a really strong arm. Uh, I don't. I think at times he has to learn to. You can't throw a fastball on every pitch. <laughs> yep. You know, I, I think I think I've seen some. You know, some short touch throws where he just tries to put too much velocity on it. So. I think that's one of the things he's dealing with. So to me, it's fast. You know, he was okay in the spring, but he is not guaranteed a roster spot here by any means because they brought in Luke Falk, who uh, was with Gase for uh, part of last year in Miami, so he knows the offense a little bit better than Davis. And uh, I don't know if they're going to carry three. They may only carry two quarterbacks. It might be just Sam Darnold and Trevor Simeon. And so Davis Webb is battling for that third spot with uh, with Luke Falk, and uh, that's a toss-up right now. I mean, I, if they keep three, it's a toss-up. So Davis is really going to have to uh, have a really strong preseason to earn a roster spot. Final one, Rich, and this is kind of a an odd question maybe, but how do you think the Jets and the powers that be in that organization are going to judge the success of their season? Is it all about the record? Is the Darnold development more important? Is it how you get there with the record? How do you think they're going to judge their success this year as they move through their season? Well, that's a really good question, and I think it depends on who you ask. I mean, if you ask Christopher Johnson, the uh, the acting owner, I mean, he, he'll he never say this, but, I, you know, he, he wants... I think he expects to be a playoff team. I mean, the Jets spent... 125 million don't quote me on the exact number but it's about 125 million in guaranteed money in the free agency that's the most that any team has ever spent in free agency wow and i don't think you do that and it, you know and you're happy at 8 and 8 uh so i think he has very high expectations for this team i think the coaching staff you know, and maybe the new GM, they look at the talent here and they see some obvious flaws in the roster. And I think um, I'm probably looking at it, and I, I'm not quoting them or anything, but I'm, I'm suspecting they see maybe, you know, somewhere in the eight, nine win range. I, I see seven or eight wins for this team. Uh, you know, I know the expectations are a lot higher than last year. They, they're a better team than last year. There's no question about it, but I still see a roster with some obvious deficiencies, and I see a young quarterback who's still going to experience some growing pains. So I, I think seven or eight wins. I think the Vegas line is seven wins, uh, the over-under. And uh, But I think ownership and, and upper management really has higher expectations than that. Rich, thanks for the time. Feel thanks. free to drop by the first preseason game. We'll be in the Giants radio booth. Come, come by, say hi, and... Enjoy enjoy your vacation first and foremost, and then enjoy the season. Thank you, Rich. Good talking I, to you. I will. Great having, great talking to you guys. Take it easy. See Thanks, ya. Rich. Rich Zamini covers the Jets for ESPN. Does a great job. Rich so, is awesome. He is. He really. I spent some time with him down in. Uh, we had the Super Bowl this year. We were in Atlantic City. We did an appearance down there. It was, oh, uh, nice. And um, got to know. I, I'd, I've never. I had never met him. Before. No, good dude. Real yeah, good dude. Really nice guy. Um, and uh, yeah, we got to sit together and and talk. Uh, Wayne Trebet was there. Trebet. Oh, that, that, I thought you said Alex Trebek for a second. Yeah. I'm like, that would have got me really excited. Yeah, he's a small dude, man. Who, Alex Trebek? No, no, Wayne. <laughs> Trebek. Not Trebek.
Trebek, by the way, is that hopefully he's doing well fighting this cancer stuff, by the way. I, I think he is. I think that um the last report I saw on the news was that he, he was doing very well. Excellent hairpiece, by the way. You would never know. Never know. Maybe I should ask him about it, or you should too. I don't, I don't, I don't have Alex Trebek's contact information to send him a text. Damn. Danny? Sorry. I don't think Salvo does either. No? All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> He's got, Dan's got a tremendous head of hair. What are you kidding oh me? Oh, my God. Heck, yeah, he He's does. He's got a really nice quaff going on right there. All right. <laughs> let's go to Charlie in Portland, Maine, who hung on during that whole interview. He's wow, probably Charlie. writing down offensive linemen. <laughs> Charlie, what's going on? Hey, guys. How are you guys doing? Hey. We're great. You going away? T- hey, John, I know one person's not going to be happy that you're going to be gone for two weeks. And that's your wife. <laughs> <laughs> you're not that's wrong right. about that either. Yeah. So every, every, everybody wins but her. That's exactly yeah. right. <laughs> happy anniversary coming up there, John. Yes, yes. Anniversary is tomorrow. That is correct. Yeah, yes. Exactly. No, year five. Hey, it's a big one. You, mm. you coming up to Maine? I don't. I don't think we're gonna make it up to Maine next week. Where uh, I'm visiting the in-laws for part of the week, and then the next week only I'm off, and she's not. So. Oh, Greg. Hey, you can still come up. Lobster dinner for you when mm. you come up here. <laughs> you like to throw them lobsters out there, don't you? <laughs> well, I gotta get something to entice you to come yeah, up. That's true. That's a good point. <laughs> hey, um, I, I was just gonna say, you know, hey, if if the Jets need an off uh, center, that would be a good opportunity f- for us to trade Pulley. Because I don't think he's going to win the competition, and I think they got other guys who can fill in for less money. Hey, remember, trade, the, and, and the Giants did that last year with uh, Brett Jones. Yeah, trade him, and yeah. maybe we can get a uh, linebacker, you know, like an interior linebacker. They might have some good guy, one or two have. guys that could actually work for us, because that's where I think our biggest need is, is inside linebacker. Yeah, I don't... don't C.J. Mosley, Avery Williamson, they drafted Blake Cashman this year out of Minnesota, who's a decent prospect. Neville Hewitt, Jeff Allison, Harvey Lange, and Anthony yeah. Wynn. So there, there, it's, it's not a great list. No, no. I guess it isn't. Hey, my, my X factor is going to be on on offense. It's got to be Remmers. No, that's Remmers, fair. Whatever, yeah, you know, Remmers. The right tackle. I mean, he's got to produce. You know, he's got to be the guy that you know solidifies the offensive line. Right. So. No, I think that's fair, Charlie. Look, you need him to stay healthy and play well. I agree yeah. with you. And then my X factor on defense is it might be a surprise, but I think this guy can give us six to eight sacks, and that is Avery Moss. I think he can be the guy just, this year. If he they give him the opportunity, he should be able to, if he stays healthy, I think this guy can be a really good pass rusher for us. Well, I think the Giants are, are they're intrigued about developing some of those younger defensive linemen and getting some production out of them, especially like McIntosh, Avery Moss. These guys that have been hanging around a little bit, get them on the field and see if they can play. And I think that's what it's all about, and I agree with you. Those guys can – that would be a great X factor because it's exactly what you said. It's not what anybody would think, right? Avery Moss, wow, right. he had nine sacks. Holy smoke. Yeah, it's funny. He was very quiet in the spring. I didn't see him do, do a whole lot. And I think he has talent, too. I've always liked Avery Moss. I think he has it in him, but he, this is it, Charlie. This is his last chance at the cuckoo yeah. corral for him. It's, it's, it's yeah. this year or he's gone. And the thing, the whole thing with Jones, Daniel Jones, if this guy stinks up the preseason, there's no way he's getting on the field. 
this guy's got to show something in games. And if this guy sure. takes a step back and, and isn't, you know, and, he's, and his head is spinning and he's throwing the ball all over the place, uh, he's not going to be playing the whole year. So I think it really depends on what we see in preseason. Yeah, I think whether, whether, whether the coaches think he's ready to come in and, and be representative. I think what we, we saw what happened last year when you put a rookie quarterback in before he's ready. Mm-hmm. And Deer in the headlight. <laughs> that quarter against Washington was not great. Yeah. Not not yeah. not great. So exactly. you're right. I'm with you, Charlie. Charlie, enjoy it. Um, I will enjoy my time away from you more than anything. <laughs> that's about 16 days. That's Charlie free. Don't. Hey, I got your number. I'm gonna give you a call. Oh no, no. <laughs> Don't do that and do not tweet at me. I will block you. <laughs> I will unblock you when I get back, but I will block you for the next 15 weeks. Thank you, Charlie. I appreciate right, Charlie, it. Thank you. Guys. Enjoy. Yeah. Take it easy. All right, John. Brings us to that great time on this show. Did he play with Jeff Beagles? I don't have a great memory. Is this not going through, Danny? Do you hear it? I hear it. I got it. Hundreds of players. Beagles with the Eagles. Let's see who Jeff. Yeah, bump bump that a little bit. Give me a little bit more. I need more Beagles. There we go. Cool. All right, here we go, Jeff. Johnny. You ready to go? Yeah, move your computer. Oh, sorry. All there right. you go. I don't want you cheating. I don't want myself cheating either. No, I understand. All right, here we go. Where's my record? I am at... You are 9-7. and seven. Woo! Could be the Giants record next year. I, you know, I have six for you, actually. We got a little time, so we're going we're gonna to do all six. Okay, you ready? Great. All right, hold on. Here we go. Did you play with... Jim Maxwell? Did you play with Jim Maxwell? Yes. Okay. Linebacker, special teams guy. Wow. You win. Thank you. Eagles, right? Giants. Oh, Max was on the Giants? Yeah, 2004. <laughs> Luckily, you got the position right, though. And so it still I, counts I, as a win. Well, I remember he was a good special teams guy. Still so. counts as a win because you got the position right. That and was he, your first year with the Giants in 2004. And nice guy. Went on to, went on to coach. Um, yeah, I think he's coaching in the league. Okay, here we go. We're going to go next player. Did you play with Aaron Rouse? Did you play with Aaron Rouse? Spell Rouse. R-O-U-S-E. No way. I don't remember an Aaron Ross. <laughs> I remember Aaron Ross for the Giants, not an Aaron Rouse. What's he, he, what is he like? A What? Come on. <laughs> I would have, Dan, do you, do you remember Aaron Rouse? You don't remember Aaron Rouse? <laughs> he has a horrible memory, too. Well, he, he no, I don't think he was working here yet. Aaron Rouse was on the 2009 Giants for eight games. He played free safety. That was my last year. I was I was more concerned about keeping my, my going on in my career than, your than, golf game? than him. Wow. <laughs> what did he play? What? what? He was a defensive back. Played eight games. He had a sack. Aaron Rouse. Yeah, Aaron Rouse. I think he was one of the guys that replaced CeCe Brown when that season went off the rails. Didn't we have an Aaron Ross that played for the Giants? Yeah, there was also an Aaron Ra- no, and Ross, but this is Aaron Rouse. This is ridiculous. Okay. <laughs> you, why? Just because you got it wrong, it's ridiculous? No, just because his name is so close to Aaron Ross, and oh, he actually sorry. played for the Giants. Did you play <laughs> with Willie... Wait, what's this guy's name again? Did you play with Willie Scott... Did you play with Willie Scott? Seriously. Will Scott. Will Scott? Yeah, I did. He was a lineman. Yes. Four? Yes. What team? Arizona Cardinals. (laughs) 
<laughs> he was a tight end that played for the New England Patriots in 1988. <laughs> Sorry. Not even close. 1988, <laughs> just thirty something years ago. Did you actually remember the name, or you just making it up? No, I remember there was a there was a center named Scott Lance Scott. I think it was his name. Yeah. Was there a Lance Scott? Let me see if that's a real person. If yeah. it's not, I'm going to give you another loss. No, I think it was <laughs> Lance Scott. Lance Scott was a center. He played in '97 and '98 for the New York Giants. So you were not with 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 him either. <laughs> But I remember Lance Scott. I remember the name and the center position. Yeah. How, though? How is that possible? Because you know what? I think he might. Wait a second. He played. The Giants in 97 and 98. Which I don't know. That was before my time, obviously. What school did he go to? Lance Scott went to. (laughs) This is good good radio. Utah. Utah, Yes. Why do I know Lance Scott from somewhere? I don't know. It's got to be from. Look. Oh, wait. He was drafted by the Arizona Cardinals. Oh, he was drafted by the Cardinals in 95. Maybe it was a practice squad for them. So that's when I was. All with, right. That's why I know that. Good job. I thought maybe you convinced, uh, confusing him with Lance Meadow. So you're going to give me a win on that one, even though it wasn't. No, I wasn't going to give you a loss. <laughs> so I'm not going to give you a win either. Did you play with Cedric Smith? Yes. I did. Can you be more specific, please? <laughs> Otherwise, you don't get your win. Cedric was a fullback for the Arizona Cardinals. Ding. Put that one in there. You win. You win. Right. Yes, That's, you do. You're two and two today. All right. Okay. Good job so far. Very good. He played with the Cardinals in 96 and 97. And he was, in fact, a fullback. Very good job. I actually went on to coach as a strength coach in the NFL for, I think he's actually with the Dallas Cowboys now. Oh, really? Could be. I yeah. didn't know that. No, you know who's with the Dallas Cowboys? It's Marcus. Marcus. Oh, yeah. The assistant. He's the assistant there. Okay. They might have multiple assistants. I don't know. I think that's true yeah, or not. But uh, uh, Cedric. Marcus Paul, by the way, used to be up here for a long time. Cedric went on. Yeah, I think he's also a coach in the NFL, too. Did you play with Keelan Clay? Keelan Clay. <laughs> no way. I don't remember that guy. <laughs> you are correct. You. Okay, that yes. is correct. Keelan Kale was actually a member of the Giants last year for two games. <laughs> no way. Yeah, he was. Do you remember that guy? Uh, yeah, he was, he was a kick returner, I think. Dan? I think they brought him as a guy that could do kicks. Keelan Clay? Oh, yeah. Do you remember Keelan okay, Clay? Okay, now I do remember Clay. I remember Clay. I yeah. don't remember his first he name. He only played in two games for the Giants. He had five okay. punt returns for 15 yeah, yards in 2018. Right. I do remember Clay, yeah. Actually, he had a, he did not, not hang on to the ball very good either. No, no, I think that was actually his problem. All right, final one. <laughs> I know it was his problem. I know we're going long on this. I'm sorry, but I'm, okay. I'm having fun. I'm not going to talk to you for a while. I have to exactly. get this out of my system. And we system. haven't played it in a while. And you're 12-9, and nine, so you're actually 3-2. and two. Let's see if you can stay okay. above 500 for the day. Okay. Did you play with Reggie Brown? Yeah, Reggie Brown. Yeah, I did. Okay. Running back again, right? No, maybe he was a uh, defensive back, maybe. Defensive back for what team? Uh, the Eagles. 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 93, maybe? Cherry pie. You're wrong. <laughs> you got a Tatino cherry pie in there. I dropped a Tatino on you. Oh, that's uh, hilarious. You were actually right at first until you changed your mind. He was a running back, and he was with you in Seattle. Seattle, that's what it was. Sorry. Brown. And no. you already was a running back, but you, you no, changed your I mind do, on no, that. No, I do, I do remember Reggie Brown now being in Seattle. Special, Another special teams guy. Fullback on the uh, on Yeah, the running back team. slash fullback. Yep. Slash tight end they have actually have here, too. Yep. Okay. He caught 34 passes in 1999 for the Seahawks. Yeah. You were on that team, right? 99 Seahawks? 99 I was. Yeah. Yes. 98 was my first year there. So, um, and he, oh, he actually returned some kicks. 
He returned um, two, four kicks in 1998 and two kicks in 2000. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Red, um, Galloway was our kick returner. Oh, he was fast, man. Oh, yeah. man. That Joey Galloway. Yes, sir. Good guy, too. Both those guys are good guys. You got any vacation coming, Jeff? What are you doing? I actually, I'm heading up to the Poconos this weekend for a, f- a friend invited us up to his lake house. So we're going to go chill and catch some fish and yeah, that's about Just it. Just you or are you, or are you bringing Me, the family My along? wife and I are going. The boys are staying home. So what is the wife going to be doing while you're fishing? She's going to be in a boat with me. Oh, she's coming, huh? No, she won't be in the boat. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you have to throw overboard, no are you? No way. No. No, I wouldn't have an opportunity to. She's not in there. <laughs> no, that's that's really bad to say. I would never do that. I know. I'm joking. Um, no, we're, it's, I don't know what they'll be doing. Drinking wine on the porch or something. I don't know. Um, not yeah, with be you no, would be what she's doing. That's right. Exactly. No, it should be fun. Should Jeff, be fun. happy 4th of July. Hey, have Enjoy a great it. vacation, Enjoy. Johnny. Yep. I appreciate it. I'll see you in a couple weeks, yep. everybody. Thanks, Dan. I'll see you in a couple weeks as well. Great job by Danny all week, who's been covering for our web media department. No one's been here but him. So he's done a yeoman's work all week. And now like remember, riding a bike. I want to remind everybody, if you weren't paying attention when I said at the start of the show, I'll say it again now. No show tomorrow. And then no shows all of next week. So hopefully you got your fill of Big Blue Kickoff Live, and we'll talk to you the Monday after the 4th, and I'll talk to you in two weeks. See you next time. Enjoy your 4th. Adios.